0: Everybody. Welcome to the Good Share Podcast with Ryan and Ice I'm Ryan And I'm Ice Alright right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's another day, another podcast Or another week in another podcast, I guess Right, you yeah want to Look yeah. at it I mean, Hey, it, you sound like you're calling this one in You're phoning this one in
1: I'm always phoning it in, man Yeah <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dude, this is my new phone freak from uh, Solomon Mikes. Well, new. I've had it for like a month or so. But, uh, <laughs> that
0: thing's pretty awesome. It really, you did a demo on it that we both worked on.
1: Yes, which you can go to my Instagram in here, or I put it on YouTube, too. Uh, I think I'm the only one that's watched it on YouTube. <laughs> but uh,
0: Well, on Instagram, uh, the uh, – uh, what's his name? Henry. 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 Yeah. Henry saw it and he... Uh, he loved it, man. He, he appreciated it. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a very cool product. Um, I've never actually used it like this before, but it is funny how much it sounds like an old rotary or like just an old landline phone.
0: Yeah. Uh, so real quick, let's talk about that microphone. Okay.
1: Just yeah, like yeah. the
0: spec-wise and stuff. So <clears throat> basically it is the... The, the pickup from what would be an old rotary phone. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, it, but it's missing the, the rest of the handle.
1: Yeah. It's just like the microphone part that you would have spoken well, into.
0: Kind of yeah. like what Andy Griffith talked into when calling <laughs> yeah. somebody talking yeah. to Sarah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and so right now we're hearing it flat in like there's, I know it sounds like there might be processing on it.
1: Yeah, no, there's nothing on it. This is just how it sounds.
0: Yeah, that's just straight cord from the back of that thing. Yeah. Which is an XLR, which is super cool.
1: Oh, it's badass.
0: And straight into a preamp and right into Studio One. Yeah. That's that's what's going on. It's
1: a very cool, quick way to just have a lo-fi sound. Uh, Which, I mean, obviously, you can accomplish by doing all the things we just said, too. You can run a filter on it or process it to make it sound like that. But I like it because I can just have another mic that's always recording capturing that sound. So then if Mm -hmm. I want to blend it with my room mics or if I just want to have, like, for, like, a verse where it gets really broken down and you want that kind of lo-fi, loopy sounding thing, you can just chop everything else out and let the lo-fi... Or the, sorry, the the phone freak. The phone freak. Just yeah. go, and it's it's you know it's recording the entire song. I don't have to like plug anything in on a track like this is and just process. A, it. Yeah, it's just how right. it sounds. It's awesome.
0: You know what? Speaking of that, let's just play a clip of your drums uh, with all close mics on, and then let's just switch it to the yeah, low, or yeah. the 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 low uh, the
1: phone freak, the phone freak, <laughs> yeah, the phone freak, the low freaks in there too, but it isn't yeah. soloed. Here it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that thing sounds really cool. And and position wise, describe the position.
1: So I have it uh, just kind of looking over my right shoulder, kind of pointed at like the snare drum, the kick drum, like like that. Uh, a lot of guys, and I would probably do this if I was just if I just had a four piece drum kit set up up here. They'll have it come in like over the bass drum, kind of un- like under the ride cymbal, kind of oh, yeah. p- pointed like at the snare drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my buddy, NATO, just got one of these not too long ago, and he tried it in that position, and he tried it oh, like where I have it, and he tried it out front. And he said, honestly, it kind of sounds the same no matter where you put it.
0: That's what I was so, thinking. So it, it would,
1: doesn't really matter.
0: Right. I yeah. I was thinking because of the fidelity or the lack thereof. Right. I don't know if it would matter a whole lot on a drum kit where exactly you placed it.
1: Right, right. Because so,
0: everything on a kit is is pretty loud.
1: Exactly, exactly. And the way it kind of compresses everything to this very like mo- mm-hmm. monotone kind of thing. I, dude, yeah, I – pr-
0: Like that's the one thing I will say with like doing like a plug-in to get the similar effect where this does it so much better is that – uh, you tend to have like, especially like cymbals overwhelm, yeah, and, and and they'll hit the compressor in a much different way than what this thing is doing naturally because it doesn't really hear the the high end shimmer as much, right, right. And it does; it sounds way different. And plus, it evens the; it really does make the kit a bit more linear.
1: I think it's interesting when it's blended in with like your close mics and your room mics. I I think it's interesting how it makes it gives the snare drum a bit more grit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it puts a little hair on the drunk yeah, snare drum. Yeah, like it's
1: it's pretty cool, man. It can kind of dirty dirty that up in like a good way if if that's the thing you're going for.
0: Yeah, very cool. So But uh that's the phone
1: freak. Yeah, shout out to Henry at Solomon Mike's. It's a very cool tool. I mean, it's like not even that expensive and it's cool. It's got this like little cool swivel yoke mount. So you can kind of position it wherever you want. You can actually unscrew this and put it on the other side if you want to get it somewhere else that's like yeah. hard to reach. I have seen some guys that are, like, using it as a snare drum mic for certain things, like, just on the snare drum, which I haven't tried that yet, but I, I'm sure that's cool. Yeah. You know? like Because oh, I, I, I bet that. I bet if it's up close on a snare drum, it's really getting compressed and distorted because that, I bet it's that super SPL gnarly. is so heavy. Yeah. So... Yeah, but how about I switch it out to something a bit more pleasant sounding for the rest of the <laughs> podcast?
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's switch you back to the studio instead of uh, remote <laughs> yeah, locations. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, cool. Now, are you back in the studio? <laughs> I am, man. You hear me? Ooh, that sounds Ooh, nice. It does <laughs> sound good.
0: I get the full spectrum of the uh, Iceman vocal.
1: Yeah, it's not so not so nasally coming through the, the microphone.
0: <laughs> uh, that yeah, thing that sounds really cool, though. That thing is such a cool, cool it's, thing. I, I want to hear it on a like acoustic guitar or like uh, I a think resi- micing Rezzo like,
1: and a, like a guitar cab with that would be super cool. Yeah, I think like, so. Like if you had like a ribbon mic and like a. Like a good, like a, what's that blue dynamic mic you like or something. And then that, the phone freak too, to blend those three together would be yeah pretty, pretty cool. You get a well, really crunchy electric sound probably.
0: The other thing that we talked about, and you mentioned something related to this and I can't remember what it was now, but I was like, dude, what would be really neat is get like a mix of something and then put that on a. Stand, put it close to like your reference monitor or whatever, and then record what's coming back through the speaker through that. Yeah. And it turns whatever mix you have into a a lo fi mix.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, what, because what we were talking about is uh, another drummer buddy of mine, we were talking about that, uh, that Chris Stapleton song, Tennessee Whiskey. And he was telling me that he got to talk to the, I guess it was the producer of that record, which I have no idea who it was. But the drums on that song, if you listen to them, they sound like pretty roomy and like organic and whatever. But but I guess this producer was like, well, we tracked the drums for that song in like this really small closet because that's all we had available. Now, I don't know if it was actually a closet, but he was just illustrating. The the room was very tiny and dead. And then he said they went to. Oceanway B, maybe. I forget which room, and they had like two big speakers uh-huh. in the in the tracking room. Played the played back the drum track for that song, the drum tracks through the speakers, and room mic that room, and recorded those room mics. Huh. So. That's how they got a room sound without having it available at the time.
0: I have heard of that being done before.
1: I know Zeppelin used to do that. Like they would they would track songs and then like play back the drums through speakers at like the bottom of a really tall Yeah. like stair stairwell and put a mic way at the top. Yep. And, and then like record that signal going in and then blend them, which is so cool. Mm -hmm.
0: I've, you know, I've thought about that process and of course I've thought about it on on a very technical level and I I haven't really had the experience, uh, the, the opportunity to do anything quite like that except for one place, which was Edwin's old place. Where we could open up the door, going out into his house and put a, right. I, mean, I
1: think we talked about doing that at one point. I don't know if we ever did, but yeah, because that right outside his live room, that floor was all like tile, and there was that big staircase, and, and it and was three stories. Yeah, it was a huge, like foyer basically.
0: Yeah, and I thought, man. Well, we both at one point. I don't know what happened. It was I don't. Like this, I can't remember if we did it or not. But we like, had this. I, we're like, man, we should do that. That's what it sounds like, and then next thing you know.
1: Uh, you know, ten years goes by and we never did it. <laughs> right. And so, but yeah, uh, like to, to put like an '87 or something out there in Omni and just pick up whatever. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of guys that, and I've thought about doing this too because I I could if I wanted to, but a lot of guys if they have like if they, if they're tracking drums in their house, like in a room, it's in their house and it's close to a bathroom. Mm -hmm. bathrooms typically have like a tile floor and you've got like a ceramic tub or something, lots of solid surfaces, putting a microphone in there and capturing the brightness and reflectiveness of that space and blending it. Like, like if you don't, if you're not fortunate enough to have a really good sounding room, you know, like Shannon or, or, or like any other major studio, that's a way to like create the illusion of space and depth yeah. in your in your tracks without having it.
0: Yeah, because the, those sound waves that are traveling to that space, are, are it's a very indirect approach. Right. So it's a whole other thing. But back to where – like my point about that is I've thought about it on a bunch of different levels. But one of the things I was really curious about – because I, I, I'm sure they could have done this when they did those castle sessions with Zeppelin – I'm sure they could have, and they may, they may have, and I'm just not aware of it. But when you move a microphone that far away from the source, there is a substantial amount of delay yeah. between the close mics and that. And I understand that that is where quite a bit of the effect is derived from. But my my... Question without having the ability to experiment with it is exactly how much of – how far away can you do that and get away with it?
1: Yeah, because at a certain point, it's just going to be really flammy.
0: Yeah, and you're going to wind up – there's going to be frequencies dropping out somewhere. Right. And or because of the flam – because of it being flammy, there's going to be maybe – weird feel with time just
1: yeah, in general. E- exactly. exactly. Uh, that made me think of two things. Like, So Russ Miller is another drummer that I've followed, and I'm not—I used to be really into him, like in high school. I don't really care so much anymore, but he is like a studio veteran out in L.A. He does way more soundtrack work than he does records. Mm-hmm but he's got his own place but he just did an Instagram live thing not that long ago where he talked about phasing issues with close mics and your overheads and things like that but how with room mics it's not you don't worry about it as much because the the space Is so much greater between, like, let's say, like your kick drum, your close kick drum mic, or your snare drum mic, and and your room mic that's like twelve feet away. That that is the point is that you're trying to create depth, but phasing issues happen when mics are close enough that, like, the how do you describe it? Like your your snare top mic and like your rack top mic. There's not enough distance for them to to for it to sound big. They're oh. so they're so close that like the phase cancellation happens. But if your room mics are further away, like they're supposed to be, the way like that is the desired effect is to create a bigness to the sound. But you can have weird right. things happen when mics are close. Uh, yes, which I know ne- I never really thought about before, but totally makes sense. And another thing you just said made me think of my marching band days uh, talking about like at a certain point when, when is like a, a room mic quote unquote, when is it too far away? Mm-hmm. And a thing we, we were always taught in marching band and in drumline especially. And there's a really good video on YouTube by Bill Bachman. Who's like a, a marching guy to illustrate this point is like, if, if you're, if you're in the front of the field, like let's say you're doing your marching band show, if you're in the front of the field, and the field commander's right like you're you're thirty feet away from the field commander, uh-huh, but that let's say the other half of the band, or specifically like the drum line uh-huh. is in the back of the field, and they're hundred feet away uh-huh. we all see. Light travels way faster than sound. So we all see this motion at is, the same time. Yeah, instantaneous. But especially on a drum because it's so percussive and short and staccato. If I go to a, make the initial attack of my note at the same time as somebody in the front of the band, I'm going to sound behind. Right. So we were always taught that the if you're on the front, you need to play to the back. Like you, you don't. You should be watching, but you should play to what you're hearing coming past you.
0: Because your audience, it, you're facing your audience, so the sound because way it, needs it, to it hit has to reach
1: them, them all at the same time. Same time. So Bill Bachman's video, <coughs> he has three snare drummers, and he has them line up. And he does various things where, like you know, they're they're beside each other, and then they, he basically does a straight line, and he like from the camera. So there is one that's like five feet in front of the camera, then like thirty feet, and then like sixty feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he goes one, two, three, four, and he just has them all. Like at first, he just has them all attack as they're seeing it, mm-hmm. and so it's like but da dot. I mean, it's like in it's in time, but a but it's supposed to be dot. Right. Right. So then he does it where he has the middle two, like the one that's closest to you, and then the middle one, listen back. And dude, it's like just one note. Wow. And that was always a thing that was like hard for some people in Marching Man to understand. Like, what are you talking? I'm just I'm playing with the field, Commander. It's like, yes. But sound, I mean, even though it's we're talking milliseconds, sound sound travels so much slower. So if, if your audience is in the grandstands and they're watching you, they're gonna hear everything in like in in front of the, the these hash marks. All that sound's gonna reach them first before anything from the backfield does, if you don't listen back. And it's just gonna sound like a terrible, terrible mess. <laughs> and it's very interesting. Like the science right. of sound is uh Yeah. It's a cool thing.
0: It is very cool. Because like it travels at like seven hundred and sixty five feet per second or something like that. It's, sure, it's it's somewhere around there. And but but that's not necessarily true everywhere. Like out west, it will travel slower because the elevation changes. Okay, if you're in humidity, higher yeah. humidity, it will travel faster.
1: Oh really? Then I thought seven, it would be the. I thought it would be the other way around.
0: Uh. It may be the other way. I can't remember sure, exactly. But I but can't whatever. remember the yeah. exact details, but I know it changes and temperature will change it. Right, right. <laughs> so like that's the thing. Like these guys, when we would go out some of these places and some of these house engineers are like, our rooms, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm th- every time I go into a place and I hear somebody talk about their room, it always cracks me up because I don't care how well you think you know your room. Now, there's going to be the obvious things that will never change. Like there will be pockets in a room that are bass heavy or not have any bass at all. That just is the way it is. I say that is the way it is very loosely because 20 people can change that. 20 people in a room can change that entire room dynamic. So you know your room really well right now. But what about 8 o'clock tonight? How well are you going to know your room? Because you don't know how many people are going to show up. And how much body heat are they going to expend? And how is that going to heat your room? And then is that going to change the way the air conditioner runs, which is going to change the humidity level? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, uh, that's why live sound is such, especially indoors, is such a crapshoot. Even outside, I'm sure you've heard it like oh. especially on the big stages, like you, you walk out 400 feet and just the ever so slight wind and all of a sudden the the highs are gone and then yeah. they come back and then they're gone yeah. and they yeah. come
1: back. Dude, I, I love slash hate playing outdoor shows. I love um, them. I love them <laughs> because they're fun and usually it's like a big festival like that. Yeah. I hate them because drums never sound good acoustically. They never. Because there's there's so, nothing there's oh nothing to reflect off of.
0: That and because of the environment, it's so difficult to keep them sounding
1: uh, well, yeah, consistent. That doesn't help either. But like but just the fact like if you're in like a A medium sized room Or a club or something And you you, Like Especially if it's like A good sounding room Mm -hmm. You'll be like Man my drums sound Really good today You can play the very next day The same drums You haven't like they can be tuned exactly the same way and play like like the Gorge in Washington outside. <laughs> yeah, on like big, a stage line 800. Big, big huge stage, like right. li- like literally like a 75-yard across stage. Like it's massive, right? And right. hit them and be like these. I mean, it sounds like paper. Like the bass drum has no low end. <laughs> right? There's no there's no body to the snare drum. The Nothing's toms are all just to you. like, they're all just slapped from the head. Like there's <laughs> nothing. Now, once you put your ears in, you're like, okay, it sounds awesome better better but like to just be on the riser and hear your drums you're like it it took me a long time to understand that because i'd start panicking and be like oh Oh. i gotta i gotta retune these blah blah blah." and like and fiddle with them all gig and i'd be distracted and then by the end they wouldn't sound good in my ears either you know because i'm i'm messing with them but Mm -hmm. i had to learn that like it'll be fine like (laughs) through the microphones it's going to be pretty close to how it is normally but yeah to just pull your ears out and play out here. It's not going to be good.
0: No. It's not. No, no not when you don't. Everything have just things. sounds thin. Yeah. Because the waves nothing's just. Nothing's coming back. The waves
1: goes. just go. <laughs> and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> nothing, never come back. Nothing builds up. Nothing <laughs> right. reflects back of you. There's nothing. And symbols just fucking disappear. Yeah. Dude, I remember. Now, I'm not going to name the drummer or the band, but I remember p- playing the Gorge in Washington. We were on a big festival. And one of the artists that played after us, her drummer was playing really thin Zildjian Karope cymbals, which are like dark, jazzy, smoky, really gorgeous sounding cymbals, Mm -hmm. if you use them in the right context. Now, it may have sounded great in his ears, and I didn't go out front to hear how the front of house guy had him in the PA, but I was literally only standing 20 feet away side stage from the riser. Mm -hmm. And he was playing like big, like 19, 20, 22 inch cymbals, crashing all of them. You know, mm-hmm. literally, it would just be like you just see it, and you couldn't <laughs> even hear it.
0: No kidding. Because
1: those cymbals, a, they're not made for that kind of playing. But b, even if you could get away with it in some on some stages, there. I mean, it would be like. <laughs> It literally, like, they had nothing more to give. They, Those symbols were disappearing two feet off the riser. Like, wow. There was just nothing. Like, he'd be like, and you'd see him <laughs> swipe a symbol and not hear any. It was, like, the most anticlimactic, disappointing thing. And I just wanted to be like, man, first of all, I was like, man, play some fucking symbols that are appropriate for your gig. Quit trying to be cool. Right. But B, like, it wasn't all his fault because he could have played those same cymbals in like a, a small club mm-hmm. and they might have sounded better. And, like right. I said, in his ears, it might have sounded great because yeah. he's hearing it through the microphones. Right. But it was like, it was just weird to watch this drummer. I mean, he was hitting hard too. And Boy, they're was, just nothing. You see they I were just, the they were gassed out.
0: Nothing. Nothing. Golly. Wow. That's funny.
1: Uh, yeah, well, now that we've got our twenty-minute <laughs> introduction out of the way, <laughs> so I wanted to—we didn't really have a set topic—and I know you got something you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. My idea for today was to talk about frustration and burnout. Ooh, because that's where I am. Oh, <laughs> with what in my with life. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, right yeah we can get into more specifics of that um oh that's fun but i because mean, I, I know yeah, it's so <laughs> much fun <laughs> it's great to be burnt out and frustrated about everything um i know we talked about like hitting a musical plateau and how to get past that but i i wanted to talk because i've experienced this before and, and in fact how I know I'm experiencing it right now is because I observed or I've been observing certain patterns and things I've done like the last couple of days. Okay. And I I can just, I know that that's what's going on. And it happens. Like, it happens to everybody. I'm not yep. saying like, oh, I'm going to go fucking kill myself. like, <laughs> But right. with, that's not funny either. I'm not trying to make light of that. Um, but like, I guess just... How how to be aware that you're in that, and maybe ways to get yourself out of it. Oh yeah, um, th- yeah. But like, okay, but 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 you <laughs> you just <laughs> we were talking about all this sound stuff. Yeah, I don't want to get st- too specific because I don't want to lose my job. But we we played uh, we went out this past weekend. We had a nice California run. Played Thursday, Friday, Saturday acoustic shows. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by saying all the shows were fucking awesome. They were oh, all sold out. Awesome. Crowds were fucking into it. It was badass. That's great. Um, had some fun experiences
0: <laughs> with... Oh, you said you were going to tell me something, but you didn't tell me yeah, anything. Yeah,
1: I, I didn't tell you. <laughs> had some fun experiences with uh, some people. Ooh. Um. Yeah, yeah uh, well a person but i'm not gonna oh a people person you know sometimes sometimes no matter how good or or nice a person is at their job the, the vibe might not just be it might just not be right you know oh, you I might just we were talking a you, little bit we might just about, not yeah. might just not gel okay
0: yep it happens it happens um and if you're aware i've done had to do this a couple times sure you pull yourself from from it because you know you're not good for the project
1: right uh, which well i can tell you more off air later okay. but the one story i do want to tell is the the last show that we were doing every, so everything about the shows has been good had been good except for we were having major issues with sound specifically like well now see i don't know if it was stage sound or, or monitor sound because we ha- <laughs> we were having a lot of issues with feedback like oh is, really? is, yeah because when we do acoustic shows we're all on wedges oh but but we've never had issues like this ever before okay it was like it was amateur hour Oh boy, and and we were told over and over again how good this person was at sound and we were just like well we're fucking waiting to see how good you are because you ain't showed us yet Right. Uh but th- one of the things that happened that it, looking back on it, maybe it wasn't as big a deal, but at the time you you're three days into this run and like the show's been going good, but you're really worn out about this person and they were with you on the run? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Uh and, New? and huh?
0: New? New guy? Yeah. New
1: person? Yeah. Um, and mm. and you're just kind of it's like frustrating because you want it to work, but you can tell it's not, and and you're not going out of your way to be a dick or an asshole, but mm-hmm. but you're also like, come on, man, like get it together, you know, like, like at some point we, we, we got to start we, clicking. Nothing, nothing else has changed. It's still the same four people on stage that have been doing this for for three years on the acoustic shows, like. You're the only variable that's different, right? So in the conf-
0: in the config that you guys normally do, probably hasn't changed on technical. No, range it's all at the all. same. It's all the same. Right.
1: So the the last the, all that and you know you're tired. We're, you know we've had yep, we had sure. like late night drives, not getting much sleep. You're trying to maintain positive attitude. Blah blah blah. The very last show, we're sound checking, and. We got a house monitor guy, and he's mixing monitors on an iPad. But they are sharing gain structure with front of house. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay? Yep, yep. So he di- <clears throat> he dials in the wedges, but then then they realize, oh, we can't, we can't, we have to share gain. So, dude dials in front of house, gets that gain all all straightened out. And then we we re uh, redo mix wedges. monitors, yeah, right. And everything's good except both of them monitor guy in front house guy are complaining that they feel like they have to gain the guitar amp mic up just way beyond where it should be. Now <clears throat> we, we, this guy, but we mm-hmm. ha- are traveling with our own mic, mic package, mic setup. Okay. Right on. And they're all S E mics, okay. which is fine. That's a fine <clears throat> product. Yep. And, and for me, like there's like a, uh, a kick drum microphone, which I think that was like a Beta 52, but that's in the that's in the cajon, and then it was like an SE mic, like a dynamic on the on the towel side of the snare drum, and then he had like an SE eight condenser pencil condenser on the untoweled side for when I play brushes, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I play shaker, so he had I think it's like the 440A, which yeah. is like their it's like their kind of version of like a 414. Okay, it's gotcha. like, a, it's like gotcha. a large diaphragm condenser. It kind of looks like an old school 414, yep. that kind of shape.
0: I think it looks, I think it, Mike, looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not too impressed with how it sounds, but it looks cool. I, I like the look of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, honestly, I'm not real impressed with SE in general. The, the only one I've heard that I really have <laughs> liked are the SE8s, the pencil condensers. I'm not saying I like them more than others, but I think they sound really good for the price.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think those sound fine. Uh, but I think if you're in a in a pinch and you need a good, decent set of microphones that are reliable, yeah, that are not fifty eights, uh, <laughs> right?
1: I think SE is an okay, pro- is a fine. Product. So I have to say he's got a four forty on the shaker, right? That that's the same mic that is one of the guitar cab microphones. Okay. 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 So I happened to look over and notice that this, this, oh no, oh no, just wait. The switches on that microphone, on the guitar cab are all looking at the audience. Like the face, they're looking that way. And so I'm like, okay, well that's interesting. And I may, I look, I double check the one that I'm, that he has on shaker for me and all the, all the switches are looking at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure the switches are on the the front the front side, the side that faces the source, right? Right, right. But but I to give him the benefit of the doubt, I was like, well, maybe he's running it in figure eight or omni. I don't know. Sure. So I go over. Now this is the thing. This guy, he was kind of defensive because he. Kept talking about how, you know, I mixed all these different bands and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I, and I never want to be that confrontational dude of like, hey, well, I don't care who you mix, you fucking suck. Like you're blowing, <laughs> you've blown this every night. I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm really not. Right. I, right. It takes a lot for me to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So I I usually like to just, Hey, I'm just here to play drums. You do your thing. If it sounds bad, it's not my fault. You right? know? I don't want it to sound bad, but I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. Sure. You know that's my employer's position. I don't want to overstep yeah. anybody. You're
0: staying in your lane.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I am just paid to be to be a good-natured person and play drums and do that well.
0: Yep. Do it, yeah. Do yeah. your job well.
1: So, but just out of curiosity. I I get up and I go over and I I'm talking to Peter and I'm like Peter what kind of guitar amp is this I don't actually give a shit what kind of guitar amp it is but I'm just <laughs> you're looking just at working it in your way I just <laughs> just want to look at the microphone sure. without him, without the dude knowing that that's what I'm doing yeah you're doing it very indirectly <laughs> yeah so I then I notice okay no it's in cardioid it's not in omni or figure eight or anything and it's so, facing the wrong direction <laughs> and it's facing the audience which means that. The guitar amp is like the back of the microphone is facing the guitar amp. The, yeah. the microphone is pointed away from it, right. which is why they had to gain it up so much because it's getting Absolutely. indirect sound. Yeah, it's just, just for getting, my, it's just getting the waves going past it. And <laughs> just not from even going my into it.
0: experience alone with this 414, this WA-14, there is a tremendous amount of rejection off the back of this microphone when yeah. it's on cardioid. yeah. And we, w- we listened to a, a vlog from somebody that was using a 414 and he had it facing the wrong direction, was talking. Remember? And you heard- Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I, if I turn this mic around, do you hear how different that sounds if I talk into the back of this?
0: Yeah. And you're, you're right in the
1: back of it. I'm right in the back of this microphone. But if I turn, I'll, I'll turn it around, but I'll be just as close. And it sounds
0: like this. So, yeah. I mean- and here's a 414 doing the same thing. This, I think, has more rejection. So I'm flipping it around to the back, and here's the back of the microphone, and I'm talking to the, oh, wow. the same distance away. Now I'm going to flip it around while I keep talking, and here yeah, I am. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, 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 it's a ton of rejection. It's noticeable. So, so I just I make that observation, and I text Peter, and I say, hey, Pete, you might just want to have him make sure that the microphone on your guitar cab is facing the right direction. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And, and, that's that's it. All, and that's all I say. And so then Peter says, oh, hey, uh, I think maybe, maybe you might want to check the, the position of this microphone. So dude comes up on stage and he's like, what's wrong with it? <clears throat> and he's like, Peter's like, I think it's facing the wrong direction. And the guy literally said, no, switches are supposed to be on the front. And Peter's like, yeah, the front. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, the front's facing me. He's like, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, if the switches are on the front, shouldn't that be facing the guitar cab?" And he's like, "Oh, I mean I don't know I, I don't yeah. think that I don't think that's right." and i I couldn't bite my tongue anymore, and I was like, "Well, the one you're using for my shaker' facing me, it's not looking the other way and And at this point, he had already pulled it off the clip to look at it. So he's like, "Yeah, well, wasn't that how it was facing?" And both Peter and I were like, no, man, it was pointed towards the audience. He's like, oh, I, I don't think I would do that. And Peter's like, well, I mean, you, you did because <laughs> that's how it was. Oh, my God. And and dude was like pretty defiant. And then this had to be an older guy. Oh, yeah. And then yep. Peter, Peter was like, well, let's can he point it the right direction and. And see if the gain has changed, and so he puts it in the way it should be. And Peter Strum's like the quietest chord ever, and it just about blew us it's out. You know, like <sighs> it was so loud. Yeah, and, and the dude was like, "Oh, sorry, I can't believe I did. I, that's usually something I do. I'm really sorry." So at least he owned up to it, but only after after being after a couple minutes, a couple minutes of denying that he would ever do that. Which I get it. If you're setting up in a hurry, that that that, that kind of crap happens it's fine i mean i make dumb mistakes like that all the time in my studio but like absolutely but if you were if you spent 10 minutes trying to figure out why the guitar gain had to be like cranked so high when your first thought And maybe I should have looked sooner. It didn't dawn on me at first because I wasn't. I hate to admit it, but I wasn't really paying close attention. Sure. Well, there's no reason why you should have been. But then when I happened to look over, I was just like, "Well, that's why it's got to be gained up so much because it's just looking away from the source, facing the wrong way." So, anyway, that guy—he's no longer with us. But (laughs) they don't say yeah uh that's a i'll tell you the rest of that story off air but uh it 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 was just really frustrating but on a positive note like i said all the shows are really good it was nice to get out there and play it's awesome to like be playing i mean acoustic shows are are cool Mm -hmm. i i think if if i had my choice i'd rather play full band shows but there is something very cool about the acoustic shows where it's, we don't have ears in, it's much more intimate. You can hear the crowd It's much. It's a little more interactive, a little more laid back. Right. And like we play some songs that we don't do in the full band set. And I always enjoy the challenge of, okay, like here's what I have to make music with. I've got this cajon and a snare drum and a shaker, but I got to be able to play music. So figure it out, like living within that kind of restrictive challenge can, can force you to like think a different way. Cause there, I mean, over the years there've been things that I will do on acoustic shows kind of instinctually because I can't do what I normally do, but it's made me rethink how I play it in a full band setting. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, maybe, maybe this part actually would be better if I simplified this section a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because it it so much better when we're playing it acoustic, gotcha. and so I'll try it like on a full band date, and I'll be like, oh, I really like that. I mean, not all the time. Sometimes I'm like, no, that's cool. That. It's got more energy the other way.
0: But sure, right? You know, so yeah. And the other part of that is because it is so stripped down, <laughs> and you've got limited access to particular things, right? Yeah. I mean, you may have like a bunch of percussive things, but it's not like you can be swinging that stuff around all the, the, the whole time, right? But with that, <clears throat> yeah, cajon, a snare, brushes, shaker. You got
1: cymbals. Hi-hat? No, no. That's the other thing I was gonna say. Like, no toms, no cymbals. Okay, like the hi hat, and then the the side of the snare drum head that I don't have the towel on. Mm-hmm. I'll play a brush on that, and then like a hot rod on the other side to like make for up backup. for sixteen. That's kind of that. like a hi hat thing. Right. Gotcha. But it really makes you realize how insignificant fills actually are oh yeah like you, like a great fill can just be bah, de, bah, de, bah, you know like yeah, or just gah, gah, s- gah, 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 de, like just playing those kind of snare drum fills like that's a good example of things that I've taken to the kit on a full band shows like oh I used to play this like three beat long fill with toms <laughs> but maybe now <laughs> I'll just play like one two do and it it works so much better you know, then like drawing attention to something that maybe doesn't really need to be, it's not elevating the song in any way.
0: Right. And you know, guitar is that way too. Cause you can have a guy going out there just playing, you know, 16th, eight or 30 seconds finger tapping. Yeah. Just going right. Nuts, right? <laughs> right. And for a minute, it's, it's impressive, <clears throat> but that like, I'm not saying there's no place for it. I'm saying that, that style of guitar playing, just like that style of drumming it, ha- it has its audience, yes, and there you can get away with doing that every song every yeah. three times in a song four yeah. times in a song but that's why those
1: people are there
0: <laughs> right and and they have venues and and events set up specifically for that. Type of thing. Right. But in pop or the majority of the music that's popular and and pays most, I would say the majority of musicians bills. Yeah. Uh, those audiences uh, can't understand it. Right. Well, not that not, they can't hear it. It's just yeah. intellectually it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: They're not, they're not there for that. They're there for the lyrics and the melody and the groove.
0: They're there to bounce, dance, tap their foot, whatever. And a bunch of, or (laughs) you can't do any of those to that. Yeah. You can't do it. Uh, so, so back to what you're saying, like, you instead of doing a three a three beat fill or a whole fill over four counts and, and having uh I don't know twelve notes in <laughs> yeah in that in that bar. Uh same thing with guitar. I could play um something on the on the top of an a a solo or inside of a, a turnaround, a four bar turn or two bar turn that's did right chicken pig, and crap. Yeah. Or I could play da da, da 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 da. more melodic. Yeah. Because people can sing that. Even people that can't sing can yeah. go ha ha Yeah. Right?
1: And uh, they can yeah. hear it
0: and they can anticipate the melody. All right, we're going to have to hit the pause button on this episode cuz uh, we both went much longer than we thought we were going to initially. And we were kind of unpacking a bunch of stuff because we hadn't really talked uh, beforehand. Most of the podcasts, uh, Ice and I will kind of discuss preliminary ideas or exactly what we're going to do. And then we wind up shooting the the crap for a while. And uh, the podcasts usually maintain a fairly reasonable length around maybe an hour. Uh, But this one went a lot longer, so we're going to break it into three parts. So that was part one of Stitch and Bitch. And uh, part two and three are coming soon. So please stay tuned. Uh, we'll be releasing those pretty, pretty regularly uh, since we've got all in one shot. But that for now concludes part one. Hey, thanks for listening or watching the Good Share podcast.
1: Hey, Ice, tell them what they can do. Well, if you're enjoying the show, please take a minute and like, subscribe, comment, rate, and review. And don't forget to ring that bell so you never miss an episode. That's right. And if you want to know more, go to thegoodsharepodcast.com. Say hi, Tim. Hi, Tim.